0: Welcome to the Christ Academy podcast with Jeff Wong, where you'll receive inspiring ideas and stories as we explore the journey of faith in Christ. Let's head to Acts 1, guys. We're gonna begin our mt 12 talk, chapter one, our mt 12 talk series on Acts. We just finished the book of Luke back in December. The same author, wrote the sequel to the Gospel of Luke and it's called Acts. Once again the book of Acts, uh, let's go back to Luke. Once again the book of Luke was about the birth and the life of Christ. The book of Acts is about the birth and the life of the community of believers, what we call the church. And I'm not talking about the institution of the church. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the people that are followers of Jesus, students of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. And then it's about, in terms of Luke, was, was about the, the main character was Jesus. And then in the book of Acts, the main character in terms of God is the person of the Holy Spirit. So once again, we believe that God is a triune God, one God, three persons God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's why some Christians, including Catholics, and and others as well would do this thing got the father the son and the holy spirit and so that's the god that we worship and so in acts the holy spirit is introduced remember in the last part of every of the gospels all four gospels jesus was talking about that he would leave and there would be someone coming that as a gift to us that the Father would provide, and that's the Holy Spirit. And you see that in the beginning of Acts, and we're going to head into chapter 1 right now. So this message I've entitled, Lean, and you're going to see why. You're going to see why in a moment. So we're going to head there um, and read this chapter together, chapter 1. Here we go. All right, this is in the voice translation, which is a translation that we often used on Sundays. It's really great for readability, and it's fresh. All right, so here we go. Read it out loud with me. This is the living Word of God. There's just something about getting God's Word in you. If you never read it out loud with us, let's go ahead and do that. This is a part of your personal worship with God. So this is the Word of God, Acts 1, verses 13 to 26. Back in the city, they went to the room... Where they were staying. By the way, these are the believers. These are the followers of Jesus. A second floor room. This whole group devoted themselves to constant prayer with one accord. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas, Son of James, that's the other Judas. A number of women, including Mary, Jesus' mother, and some of Jesus' brothers. As the disciples prayed, Peter stood up among the group of about 120 people and made this proposal. And let's forward to the next page, verses 16 to 17. Peter said this My friends, everything in the Hebrew Scriptures. Had to be fulfilled, including what the Holy Spirit foretold through David about Judas, as you know. Judas was one of us, and and participated in our ministry until he he guided the authorities to arrest Jesus. Verse eighteen. He was made, sorry, he was paid handsomely for his betrayal, and he bought a field with the blood money. But he died on that land. Falling so that his abdomen burst and his internal organs gushed out. Next page. Verse 19. News of his death spread to everyone in Jerusalem. So uh, Judas' property is known as Hakeldama, which means field of blood. In this way, One of David's psalms was fulfilled. May their camps be bleak, with no one left in any tent. But the psalms also included these words, and he quotes, Let his position of oversight be given to another person. So we need to determine his replacement from among the men who have been with us during all the Lord Jesus travels among us. Next page. From his baptism by John until his ascension, we need someone to join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. Verse 23, the group put forward two men, Joseph, who was also known as Barsabas or Justus, and Matthias. The disciples said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Make it clear to us. Which of these two is your choice? Verse 25. To take on this ministry as your apostle, replacing Judas, who went his way, or his own way, to his own destruction. Then they drew lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles to reconstitute the twelve. And so here we have the first chapter Last week we actually read the the first few verses, verses one to four, and then there's a few verses after that, and then we continued it here, verse thirteen to twenty six, and there's a lot of there's a lot of things happening here. Let me let me just reverse us for a second, going backwards, um, back to verse thirteen, and so you can see here, after Jesus ascended, which is in the previous verses. He, even before even before he ascended we we read that he spent 40 days he spent 40 days with the disciples he wasn't just there for uh one sighting or two he spent 40 days with the disciples with those that were followers of him and then when he ascended he also had promised the gift of the Holy Spirit, and he told the disciples, he told his followers, "Wait in Jerusalem. Don't go back, don't go back to Galilee. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift that my Father, the the heavenly Father in heaven, is has promised you." And so they went, and they went back to this room, and it, it talks about the second floor room. In a sense, it was an underground room, although it was on the second floor. Uh, metaphorically speaking, this is a this is an underground room where they're meeting and they're, and they, they were continuing to meet. they often met there, the scripture says. and then the whole group of them, all of them together, they devoted themselves to prayer. they just kept they kept praying. There was Peter who is also called Simon Peter in the chosen series he's often called Simon. there's John and James you recognize uh, there's uh, you know and Andrew and, and Philip and others as well. And and the women were there, too. A lot of the women, Jesus' mother and other female followers of Jesus. And also it says that some of Jesus' brothers were there. I believe that it is likely that Jesus' brother, James, was also there. And that's significant because James wrote the book of James that's just after the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And it's a very powerful and practical book. But there must have been something about Jesus... I mean there was something about Jesus, but if your own family believes you and follows you, that's even more credibility because they know you. They've seen you growing up. they would' have known if you were a complete jerk if you were if you're an evil person, if you're doing things, even the smallest thing that was evil. but here Jesus brothers and his mother Mary were there and they continued, they continued to follow Jesus. And they were there with the rest of the disciples. And this is powerful. Just a small thing. Just a small thing shows us that we can trust Jesus more. And then as the disciples prayed, then Simon Peter, he gets up. If you if you remember from watching the Chosen series, if you can picture Simon Peter and what he was like, well, he, he stands up and he's amongst... In this room, there's 120 people. They're jam-packed most likely in this room. Um, I imagine this wasn't a huge room. It's, it's, it's probably like your average room, but there's 120 people that were jam-packed in there as followers of Jesus and wondering, what's next? What's next? Remember, before Jesus ascended, they asked him, Lord, is this, is this the time right now where you are going to establish a kingdom? Meaning, are you going to establish your kingdom and overthrow the Romans right now? You were crucified, you resurrected. Is it going to happen right now? And Jesus said, only the Father knows the time of when, when his kingdom will be fully established. But they are to wait here for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter stands up and he's he's there and he's going to address he's going to address the 120 people. Remember, Simon Peter, he's not a public speaker. He's not a pro. He's not an executive. He's not a CEO. He's a fisherman. He's just a fisherman with his brother with his little, with his small business struggling to make it work. But the Holy Spirit of God is motivating him and inspiring him to speak, and he gets up with courage, and he speaks. He comes, he comes forward to address the whole group of them. And then he, he has the wisdom of God come on him, and he's able to describe that, in the, that, that, that things had to be fulfilled in the Scriptures. He realized, he must have realized in that moment, perhaps even earlier, that there were scriptures that were fulfilled in what happened with Judas. And if you remember, out of Jesus' disciples, the twelve, there's one that was a betrayer. There's one that would sell him out, literally take money. The scripture t- describes it as blood money so that, to turn over Jesus to the religious leaders so that they could kill him. And man, did he regret it. He bought a plot of land for a small farm, but he couldn't live with his, himself, and he hung himself. And the scripture describes his guts even fallen out and that this land is cursed. But Simon Peter says, my friends, everything in the Hebrew scriptures had to be fulfilled, including what the Holy Spirit foretold through David, David about Jesus. And so this is a a couple or a few thousand years before David. This is King David who prophesied that something would happen. And the scripture goes on to say, as you know, Judas was one of us and participated in our ministry until he guided the authorities to come along and to arrest Jesus. He was paid handsomely for the, his betrayal, and he bought a field with blood money. But he died on that land, and he talks about that. And he continues on, and he talks about how these prophecies were fulfilled. News of the death spread to everyone in Jerusalem, so um, Judas's property is known as the field of blood. And then he, Simon Peter says this, In this way one of David's psalms was fulfilled. May their camps be bleak, with no one left in any tent. And speaking figuratively of the one that would betray the Messiah. That their land would be empty. But the psalms, he says also, he continues on, But the psalms also include these words, Let his possess, let his position of of oversight, which is as a disciple, be given to another, and so they knew that even though these these horrible things happen, that these that everything is happening according to plan. What God had planned out, what God had prophesied through the Psalms, through the the writer of, of some of these Psalms, which is likely David, of the, for this one. Verse twenty one. Let me get a drink here. Verse twenty one. So we need to determine his replacement, and so they go through this process. They needed to select someone who'd been with them all the way from the baptisms that happened with John the Baptist all the way to Jesus ascension and there's a number of people and so they brought brought forth two people um Barsabbas and also matthias and so they cast lots they did they had their way of doing it maybe there's a few pieces of of straw and one was for Um, uh, Matthias, and one was for uh, Barsabbas. And then they prayed, and they asked the Holy Spirit. They They asked God to guide. They said, you know everyone's heart. Make it clear to us which of these two is your choice. They depended on God for this. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added as a disciple. And so we see that what was the 12 became 11, and then became twelve again, and so as I describe this, what what happened, I wanna I wanna draw some conclusions that are relevant for us. I wanna I wanna talk about what I observe, and it's just two quick points, guys. Two quick points, but they have incredible significance for us in our lives. We're not just studying only about the people that lived two thousand years ago and experienced Jesus just some incredible degree, but here we're just observers with very, very little access to Jesus, little access to the kingdom of God and the power of God. No, we have incredible access to the power of God, and as we go through the book of Acts, it shows us and it demonstrates to us what is possible, and this is powerful stuff, chapter one, and especially going into chapter two. By the way, we didn't we didn't cover verses one uh, verses verse eight, but Acts one eight is a really important verse that talks about the gospel that is meant to be spread from Jerusalem to Ju- Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth, and that's a part of what the disciples of Jesus are meant to do as witnesses of the resurrection. That means us. It is not just the twelve. It's for more than twelve. It's in our name. That's what we're meant to do to talk about the gospel. And so this is so incredibly powerful. I can't wait to to next week, guys. There's some incredible stuff for for next week, too. But let me share with you two two points, two observations that I see in this particular book, in this particular chapter of Acts, the first chapter. And the first is this. God sees in chapter 1, we see that God sees. What do I mean by that? When we look in chapter 1, as Simon Peter stands up and declares uh, declares these things that he talked about and helped the 120 to have some sort of orientation as to what happened, he tells them in different words that God sees. God saw what was going to happen some t- couple thousand, two, three thousand years ago with david with king david when king david wrote those psalms that prophesied about what was going to happen that the one who would betray the messiah that he wouldn't be on his land any longer god sees god knew it's like god sees the full map you know with our limited with our with our limited vision we can't see everything but one thing that we can be confident in is that god sees that's what I have ultimate confidence confidence in. It's not how far I can see, it's how far God can sees can see, not sees. Have you ever visited somewhere to sightsee? I remember going to the that that tower in Seattle. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe someone could type it in the chat. What was the name of that that tower? But we went to that that tower in Seattle and we went up to the top and, and there's this incredible view. But in order to see even in more detail you can look through these binoculars that are set up near the edges around the perimeter so that you can see super far and see and see incredible detail when we put on when we when we look through those devices we're able to see things that we normally can't see and you know there's a significance to this when it comes to the spiritual life it correlates with us and this is that God is able to see the full picture when we can't it's like it's like God has a paper map that's the size if you could picture like something that's like 15 feet by 15 feet and he can see the whole thing. It's all mapped out. He can see what, what's going to happen in a storyline from the past all the way to the present and all the way to the future. What's happening in this part of the world and what's happening in that part of the world. What's happening in this part of your life and what's happening in that part of your life in the future. But for us, it's like we're on the map as a little tiny figure. I used to have army men. I don't know if any of you guys played with army men. But I, I, used to, I used to set them up. I used to have a few thousand of them. And we would set them up, I would set them up. Sometimes if I had my friend, we would set them up and we would play it set up a few hundred or a few thousand. But if, if you're one of those little army men on the map, your your vision is very limited. And that's like us when we're living our lives. But one thing's for sure is that we if we have a relationship with God, if we rely on Him, if we rely on His foresight, if we re- rely on His guidance... There's something powerful about that. I often say it's like we have the cheat codes. We have the cheat codes of life because God sees, God knows. It's like cheating, but it's not cheating. It's an advantage. It's more than a privilege. It's an advantage to have God in your life because God sees. He knows the past. He knows the present, and he knows the future. He sees the details that you can't see, but he sees the biggest picture that you also can't see it's an advantage to have god and that's what we see in these prophecies of what happened that the what happened to judas his final outcome was prophesied way back by king david in the psalms the replacing of judas even that was prophesied about those two things are mentioned in chapter 1 of acts and they and we could take them at face value or we can go deeper and we can go practical And if we go deeper and we go practical, we realize that this has huge implications for us in our lives. It doesn't matter if if it has to do with school, if it has to do with a job for the future, if it has to do with a life partner for the future, if it has to do with a major decision to move, if it has to do with the smallest decisions in your life. God sees and you can rely on Him. That's the power. That's the power that we have. That's the advantage that we have is that God sees. God knows. God knows exactly what's going, what's going on. You know, there's a board game. If you know, if you know me, if you know my family, if you know our community, there's a bunch of us that are into board games. We're into a whole bunch of things, but board games is one of those things. There's a board game that we've never played together. We've played it in our family like years ago, but and we have it on our shelf. It's called N Y Chase, like New York Chase. It's a, it's, it's. It's a it's a board game that's based on an original game called Scotland Yard and everyone who's playing is playing collaboratively on one team but there's one person who knows where the criminal who's escaping where they're going through the city trying to escape but no one else can see it's only the person who who's the the one um, uh, calling uh, calling out where that where the coronets it's only that person who can see everyone else everyone else can't and so um and actually the people playing collaboratively are all the other players the other one who's is actually moving the criminal around invisibly but that person can see and that person is the criminal but in our case the one who can see is not the criminal the one who can see is the one that loves us the one that actually created us he's the one who created the universe he's the one that is all powerful he's the one that demons are afraid of if you can wrap your if you can wrap yourself around that concept even demons are afraid of god all kinds of human beings are afraid of demons are afraid of ghosts are afraid of unknown creatures but those very demons They are freaked out about the power of Jesus. And this is the God that sees. This is the God that knows. This is the God that sees the intangible things. I'm not even just talking about the physical things that you can see with your eye. I'm talking about he sees and knows the chemistry that's going on in your body and in your brain. He knows the chemistry that's going on in someone else. He knows... The feelings that you're feeling. Feelings of being overwhelmed. or feelings feelings where you need something new in your life and you need excitement. He knows the excitement that you're experiencing and that you're celebrating. He knows the temptations that you're facing. God sees. He knows the guilt that you feel when you do something horrible. When you do something that you regret. He knows the shame that you feel. He knows the things that you would never ever do in public because it's just too shameful. He sees, and he still loves you. That's the power of God. That's the power of his level of love, his agape love. God sees, and we see that in the book of Acts. And we should be excited about that. We should be blown away about that because God knows, and God sees the whole map before him. The second thing I want to point out today is this, is that we can lean on God. We can lean on God. I remember when I was growing up, I was in elementary school. Sometimes when we're hanging out with our friends, we would do this little thing, like we put our our elbow on our friend's shoulder and we just lean on them. We, and we even try to put extra, extra weight on them. Sometimes if you're fooling around with your friend, you just, if they're leaning on your shoulder, you just move it and then just kind of fall a little bit but we used to lean on each other and just play around like that it reminded me of this concept that we see in this chapter in verses 24 to 26 as the apostles were trying to figure out who is the guy that is going to replace Judas what did they do they didn't do they didn't do in-depth interviews they didn't they didn't use the latest principles like management principles they didn't even use common sense. They didn't even use common wisdom. What they decided to do was to lean on God. They knew that God sees. They knew that God knows. They knew that God sees the whole map. They knew that God is in control, and they knew that God has a plan that is unrolling before them. They knew that God knew all of this beforehand. And so they chose to lean on God. And the thing is, when we lean on God, God doesn't play a joke on us. He doesn't move his shoulder away. He know, they knew that God isn't a cruel God, that if we choose to lean on him and to trust him, that he wouldn't move out of the way. And so they relied on God. After all, this was God's mission that they were embarking on, to be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we take on that mission. And so as we live out that mission, we ought to lean on God. As we live our lives, even when we're not fully engaged in the mission, maybe we're just doing something simple, like we're having time with family, or we're hanging out with our friends, or we're, we're working uh, during our jobs. We're trying to forward our careers. We're having fun. We're engaging in the things that we enjoy. It could be hiking. It could be dancing. It could be making music. It could be writing. Whatever that might be. It could be cooking. It could be gardening. Whatever it is, from the biggest things in our lives to the smallest things in our lives, we can lean on God. And it's to our benefit because God sees. We can lean on God. The thing is, you might be thinking, why why would God have any time for me? Would God really have any time for me? Just little old me? But here's the thing. God created you, and He loves you, and He loves to have a relationship with you. There's a part of God's heart that is for you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to care for you. You know, in our house, some of you guys know like we have a puppy Our puppy just turned one. I don't know if they're considered a puppy after when they're one anymore. Maybe someone knows. Type it in the chat. But Yuna, our puppy, just turned one yesterday. It was her birthday. Happy birthday, Yuna. And um, Yuna's actually just sleeping right here by my feet. But um, with a puppy, like sometimes a puppy can be a supreme pain in the butt when they they make mistakes. And um, if they go potty in the house or whatever it might be. Or if they're they're barking and yelping whenever you don't want them to. But for the most part, a puppy is a blessing. Just like a baby is a blessing. And you want to spend time with that puppy, even though that puppy, that puppy doesn't do your taxes for you. That puppy doesn't go shopping and shop for groceries for you. That puppy doesn't run errands for you. That puppy is pretty much useless, except for being cute and maybe being a little cuddly. And... But you want to spend time with that puppy because you love that puppy. And that's the same thing with God. In a sense, we are God's puppies. He loves to spend time with us. He wants to be involved in our lives. He's relational with us. God's not just all about the task and, and, and all about the mission. He just loves us, and He loves to spend time with us. And it's, it's, it's to our benefit But in a sense, it's to God's benefit when we rely and lean on Him because He wants to be that rock for us. He wants to be that solid solid thing that we can lean on when it comes to our lives. Everything from the biggest things to the smallest things. Who you should date, who you should marry, who you should continue to be friends with, and who you should not. Where you should go to school, where you should drive, where you should go for your vacation— God should be involved in all of it and wants to be involved in all of it and can give you the advantage if you allow Him to because God sees and you can lean on God. This week, this day onwards, change the way that you operate. Change your mode of living to one where you recognize that you have a huge advantage when you rely not just on your sight, but you rely... On the foresight of God and where you lean on Him and you trust Him. There's a scripture that me and my brother and um, and others memorized when we were a part of a, a youth program in the church that we grew up in. It was called Explorers. It's kind of like a Boy Scouts but kind of a Bible oriented Boy Scouts and we did things that were really fun, played hockey, but we also memorized Scripture. And one of those Scriptures that I memorized has stayed with me and impacted me, and God has used it to remind me and guide me throughout my life. And that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And the Scripture says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart without relying on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Did you get that? Lean on Him. Rely on Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't lean on yourself. You lean on God without relying on your own understanding. And when you do that, you're able to, to receive, to achieve greater things than you could on your own. Some of us have felt so alone through different parts of our lives, maybe even right now. But I want you to know you don't have to be alone because God can be there with you. And in most cases, God is already there with you. And you just have to know that He sees and you just have to know that you can lean on Him you can lean on Him. And by the way, memorize that scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. There's another scripture in the Psalms that says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. When we take God's word and we hide it in our heart, the Holy Spirit is able to use that to guide us, to keep us from sinning and doing things that are evil, that are wicked. And it's a powerful thing. Hide His word in your heart so that you don't sin against Him. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, without relying on your own understanding, without leaning on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Just acknowledge acknowledge Him God gave me this at this time, and I'm so thankful. I got another decision to make over here. I'm going to acknowledge, God, you're a part of this. Help me to know which way to go, left, right, or to stay center, or to stop, or to proceed, whatever it might be. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. And then he will make those crooked, crazy paths. He will make them straight where it's easier for you to walk, where it's easier for you to navigate. Your life will be better when you lean on God. All right, so let me close us here. Once again, I want to remind you, this day onwards, live your life knowing that God sees. Take advantage of that so that you have that advantage. And as you do that, lean on God. Lean on Him. Know that He's good. Know that He has your best interests in mind. Know that He has time for you. Know that He wants to guide you, to provide for you, and He wants to succeed. If you don't succeed, it actually makes God look bad. If you don't succeed in your life, the more you lean on God, the more you will succeed in life, the more and the more that God will receive glory. All right, let me pray for you guys. God, thank you for these scriptures in Acts 1. Thank you for the power of your scriptures. Your scriptures are alive. They're not just literature. They're not just words on a page. But your logos, your word is alive. And so when we intake it, it's living food, spiritual food for us that doesn't just just nourish our soul. It produces life within us. And it guides us. It produces fruit. And we're grateful for that. So with all our people in our community, those that are tuning in, those that are even just curious, those that are, that are experimenting with faith in Jesus, we just pray that you help us to internalize your word, to know that God sees, and to rely on him, to lean on him, so that our lives can be the most fruitful, the most impacting, and the most exciting they possibly can be. I pray for each one of each one of those that are listening right now that that would be the case for them. more life, more power, more love, more fruit all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 thanks for tuning in guys next week we're going to Acts 2 and things are going to get more pow- more powerful, more potent, as you, as you head into Acts 2 with your life groups today, I mean, tomorrow onwards, man, be praying for the power of God to be unleashed in your life group. God wants to do something really, really powerful.